Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast. I'm Alison Perry, and this is episode 13. is Amy Ransom who is the author of the new mum's notebook uh, which is a fantastic journal for new mums and it's got lots of advice and tips dotted throughout it so it is a brilliant gift for a friend who's about to have a baby or who's just had a baby. Um, Amy is very vocal about her experiences with postnatal depression so I chatted to her about what she's been through, how she was diagnosed, how she got help and she's got some excellent advice for anyone who's suffering from PND or who's feeling low and wondering whether they should seek help. Uh, we also spoke about those early new mum days and I loved hearing Amy's thoughts on allowing yourself to go into a bit of a box set bubble when you've got a small baby. And I feel like I say this a lot, but I really enjoyed chatting to Amy. I feel like I got a lot out of our conversation, so I really hope that you guys do too. Uh, she's a very wise lady, and she's got lots of great nuggets of advice about life in general. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Amy, to the podcast. Hi, it's lovely to be here, Alison. <laughs> so we're sat in your house, aren't we? We're in my house, which is a bit tidier than normal. It's gorgeous. You've got a beautiful uh, velvet sofa. <laughs> Lots of stains. <laughs> no, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, so you have written the new mum's notebook. I have. Um, and it's like a journal, isn't it, for mums for uh, the first year of motherhood. Yes. Um, but it's also got lots of kind of really supportive bits to read, kind of dotted throughout it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a real mix of um, articles, um, affirmations, and kind of quotes and things that... What I wanted to happen was I wanted a new mum to have something that she could dip into daily and she could just see something that would lift her mood or just, I mean, you know, the things in there, lots of the stuff is very obvious, but it's not obvious when you're navigating those early weeks, early months with a new baby and you're tired and Mm. you're, you know, you're hormonal and you're just not feeling your most amazing self. I wanted a mum to just feel nurtured and supported and like she had a friend by her side. That's so lovely. And you're so right that in those early weeks and months, you need someone to remind you of all of those basic, basic things, don't you? Because your brain is just in another place. I think it's paralysing. I think, you know, my kids are eight, five and three now. And I honestly, honestly feel like I'm emerging Mm -hmm. and and then I I remember and I was talking to a playgroup mum the other day who's got two kids and we were talking about a friend who just had a newborn her firstborn 
and they were like, you know, rabbit in headlights, like we all are. And I was remembering that first couple of weeks with my first, I mean, first week, you know, two weeks, eight weeks, and just thinking, this is quite horrendous. Mm. I'm not sure that I'm ever going to have a life ever again. Yeah, you, you, you definitely feel that way. Yeah. Like, looking back, you're like, oh, that was such a short period of time. But when you're going through it, you think, oh, oh my goodness, this is my life now. I remember sitting over there and my husband eating dinner and me waiting for my turn to eat dinner and us looking at each other and going, do you think we'll ever eat at the same time? And he'd be like, right, you can hold the baby now and then I'll hold the baby. And I'm like, that was bonkers because we could have just put her down. I know. I did the same thing. We took turns holding the baby. There was one (laughs) night when um, my husband Mark and I took turns sitting up with the baby that wasn't sleeping. Another person went to sleep. And it's like, that's just... But at the time I remember thinking... This is how our nights are going to be yeah. for the rest of this our lives. This is how life is just going to be. And it just, it is so not like that. But I have to remind myself, because I'm in danger now of thinking, it's not really that difficult. I mean, there's lots of aspects further on in motherhood that are difficult, but it is that difficult. You know, yeah. you are such a fish out of water when you have that baby. It's that huge um, adjustment. That it's a, it feels like a real learning curve. And yeah. even though... There are loads of books out there and helpful magazine articles and friends telling you what it's like. Nothing will prepare you. No, nothing doesn't. And actually, I was talking to another friend about this the other day and we were talking about how actually advice, I think as well, is really useless when you've got a baby because firstly, you don't know what anyone else is doing in every minute of their day. So when people say, you know, you know, obviously the Holy Grail, how do you get your baby to sleep? When people say... Well, how do you do it? It's pointless having that conversation because it feeds insecurities because you think, I'm not doing that. But also, if you're not doing a certain aspect of the day that someone else is doing, it might not work for you anyway. Yeah. Um, And we were talking about how actually what life and motherhood and those early parts are, are about is actually just making right and feeling right about what you're doing in that very day. Um, And actually just making someone feel supported about what they're doing because advice, I, I just, I just don't really think you can give it. Yeah, I'm, I, I did this thing when, when my daughter was a baby, where I would ask the same question to ten different people and then pick the thing that I felt worked yeah. for me. And if that didn't work, I would then try something yeah. else. I mean, I always have this phrase in my mind, and I always say, you always have the chance to make someone else feel better. Mm. Just take that chance. You know, I, I'm not a very controversial person. I'm not going to be that person that says to someone, oh, do you think you should be doing it like that? Because I did it like this. I kind of listen to what they say and then think, what do they really need me to say right now? They need me to make them feel good about their choice today. Yeah. Not about what the consequences might be if they never sleep their baby in Making a cot. Making a rod or, for your own back. It's just not helpful. It's <laughs> oh, it never, no. It never ends like that. I did Gina Ford, you know, I always labour on about this. I did Gina Ford with my first two and then I had my third and he didn't want to do it he was like this isn't for me and we did things really differently and it's fine he's great they 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 all sleep and then they don't and the irony now is that I are pretty much I'm separated now so I have a very nice big inviting bed every night pretty much I have someone in my bed and it is so different to how I parented for the first two years am I miserable for it I mean I'm probably a bit more tired I've got bigger eye bags but it's fine you know it's okay it's about you doing what's right for you at that moment yeah and every you know twice a week I'll clamp down and I'll I'll say to them before bed no one comes in my bed tonight and you know what weirdly they do listen Mm. they know that mummy's on the edge and 
But the point is, is it just, we don't need to parent in this ridiculously restrictive, limited, controlling way. Yeah. One of my favourite parts of the book is the checklist of box sets. Oh, I know, the box sets. And the key to, you know, this is like a nice kind of like, you know, comedy. This one is, you know, if you're feeling a little bit anxious or on the edge, don't watch these ones. No, exactly. It's funny, when I did that list, um, I'm a big fan of, you know, box sets and I I watched a lot of Netflix. I watched The Gilmore Girls, which is like my all-time favourite series, which is now way back on trend because of the new one. I feel like that's probably the perfect thing to watch when you're like makes you feel good. Breastfeeding, because it is such a lovely feel-good. You just want that. You want to be, like, you know... You want to move to Connecticut and just live in Stars Hollow. Yes, and be their friends. 100%, that's what you want to do. (laughs) So so I I included that list. But the other reason was, is that I had lots of mums say to me, why didn't I do that? You know, like, when the baby can't move, it is perfectly permissible to sit on the sofa all day long. You know, okay, you need to get out and get some fresh air because that's good for the mood as well. But actually allowing yourself to bottle feed, breastfeed, whatever you're doing, Mm. and enjoy that closeness with your baby. You don't need to be at a baby sensory class at three months old because your baby needs stimulation. Why didn't you tell me this when when age seven weeks (laughs) I was at a baby sensory class? Wasting your money. You know, with like a, a red scarf waving it above my child's head I mean I just it does it it, we all did it we all did it I panicked I would I felt constantly guilty with my first you know should I be doing this and I bought those baby Einstein DVDs for me barely for 40 quid (laughs) and I used to sit in front of the TV and I used to make a watch on at eight weeks old because I thought you know that would be really good for her (laughs) I should have just been watching Gilmore Girls which is what I ended up doing but you know my third he hasn't been to I don't think he's been to a a baby class and he's fine he's probably the most articulate and most intelligent out of all three are of you them. sure he's fine though or no, he's not is fine. he harboring <laughs> you know some weird you know personality probably. defect because he didn't go to baby sensory i'm sure it will come back in some years but it is it is absolutely and i wanted i also think sometimes when you're again when you're tired it's really difficult to netflix to go on it and go or oh, amazon prime whatever you're on and go what can I watch? So to have some just films to click into. Yeah, that's so useful. In that sea of what should yeah. I watch? And also it's just, it literally is about making people feel that it is really okay. Because yeah. you you kind of, it's weird, you know, you, you've probably gone on maternity leave from a busy job and suddenly you're like, is it okay to just sit here yeah. and watch TV? Yeah. Um, yes. It's, it's perfectly time. okay. In fact, it's recommended. Absolutely. Um, so what kind of response have you had from women who have read the book? The book has... I created the book. I didn't really know... I, I always talk about how I feel like the book created itself because it did just come in a very short period of time and it was only going to be like a 16-page leaflet. I just wanted to get a few blog posts that had gone viral out to the masses because what I was getting was that people didn't know about the fourth trimester you know, I had an obstetrician get in touch with me and say, I've been practising for 20 years, never heard of it. Really? I'm introducing it in my clinic today. So your blog was Survival, or is Surviving is Motherhood? Is Surviving Motherhood, yeah. And I wrote a post shortly, about nine weeks after having my third, I discovered the fourth trimester in a a spa massage brochure. I was just reading a thing and it said fourth trimester. I was like, what's that? Um, Googled a bit, found out. I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And it's obviously the first three months after having your baby is an additional trimester where you try and mimic the rest of the, the you know, your nine months of pregnancy. Makes perfect sense yeah. to me. And it eliminates a lot of worry because you can say, I'm giving myself a time period. Mm-hmm. So if you are a bit controlling, like lots of us are, you can say, I'm going to have three months to 
make my peace, make my transition to motherhood, mm. you know. And that isn't just baby number one, that's every baby you have. Um, I wrote a post about it, the post went viral, Kirsty Allsop shared it, um, and it just snowballed and I realised that people weren't having this information when they needed it and I had lots of people get in touch and say, I wish I'd known about this. And I decided I wanted to try and get it into the NHS, you know, so that it was kind of going in at the point of, you know, having a baby. Yeah. Obviously that was going to be tricky. So then the book just grew and grew. Um, and the feedback's just been lovely. It's like people really need it. And and actually, I know it sounds really silly, I shouldn't say this, so I'm professional. I'm always really surprised when people are using it. They're actually writing in it. And, you know, I've had lovely, like, you know, Michelle, who writes the lovely Dear Orla blog. And, you know, she's a psychologist and she has actually endorsed it as a tool and she said, I wish I could give this to every parent I've worked with. That's amazing. And it blows my mind just because I wrote it from, as my lovely friend says, you just created it from your brain. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any medical professional experience. And what's happening now is medical professionals, midwives, doctors are endorsing it. And I find that incredible. That is incredible. That's what I wanted. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really think about what the book would be other than just wanted new mums to feel supported that's the thing isn't it i think you were focused on the end goal on the effect it would have rather than the actual but i didn't go through a process i created it i i you know i did lots of mood boards i i thought about you know i had a great graphic designer who's a friend we thought about color and patterns but there wasn't any psychology behind it you know Mm -hmm. i didn't go i'm going to do this many journal pages or this but it just seems to have hit the mark. Probably because it came from your gut instinct. Maybe, yeah. And I and I had had experience, obviously, having had postnatal depression. I had done a course, a very, very good, intense course of CBT. So I had some learnings to, sh- to, to put into the book. Um, but mum's kind of... I get messages, a lot of messages with mum saying, this has really helped me, or it's helped me get some help with postnatal depression, or a couple have said, I think it's stopped me from going to the place where I think I would have ended up. Wow. It's really sweet. You must just be walking around, like, bouncing on air with this amazing warm glow yeah, I've feeling. definitely come down. I've definitely come down. The, first, the, year of la- the year of self-publishing it and launching it, and then when people started buying it, I was like, wow, this is is actually something that people need mm. and now I feel quite strange I feel it feels very surreal definitely so your route your route to publishing it was a bit unusual wasn't it so you self-published yes. to begin with so you, you yes you and your graphic designer friend created this we did from scratch from scratch we did it in a very short space of time I mean I think we I think we started it I started writing it in the September but not properly until the Jan we had it at the... I sourced a printer's randomly in China. How do you even start doing exactly. that? Exactly. I literally Googled China. And this it, this is what I mean about the whole book. It just happened. There was, there was no... I, I can overthink a lot in my life. I didn't overthink one aspect of this. I wrote it. I didn't have anyone edit it, proof it. I just was like, yeah, this will be okay. I think one of my very good friends who's also a PA, she proofed it when we got to a certain point. But there was no question of, shall I get someone to professionally do this before I order 3,000 copies and have them delivered to my house? Wow. And we just went with it. And it just, it just from that moment that it went off to the printers, I didn't even, I didn't see a finished copy until they turned up on my doorstep. What was that moment like oh when, it, when you had 3,000 so copies turned up? So I got up. three advanced copies turned up um, about three weeks ahead of the full shipment. And the box turned up and I was like... 
Was your heart racing? Yeah, I was shaking. And I went and sat on my bed and I looked at the box. The kids were downstairs playing. And I opened it. And the minute I saw it, the print quality was... They did such a good job on it. It was amazing. I mean, this is China. They they do this like that, don't mm. they? But I... And the colour, it was, it was far better than I ever imagined it could ever have looked. And I cried. I was like... This it's a book. It's, it's my fourth it's, baby. Yeah, it's an actual book. And then the shipment turned up when I was on holiday, and I had paid. Did, did your neighbour take it in? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was almost that bad. I had a friend, um, and I just bunged him fifty quid and said he was had a bit of time off, and he was like, "It's fine, I'll do it for you." And he sent me a picture. I was on a beach in Turkey, and he sent me a picture and went, "This is what three thousand books looks like." It was a flipping lorry. It was huge. It was the hottest day of the year and it took him four hours <laughs> to shift all the books. I'd literally cleared a space in my spare room. When I got back from holiday, they were they were all up the top end. That top end of the lounge was filled. The spare room was filled. They were in my bedroom. It was 2.5 tonnes of books. Oh my goodness. Insane. That's crazy. Hadn't thought it through that part. So then fast forward to this year. Yeah, and this now year. now it's been republished by Penguin, it hasn't has, it? It has, yeah. So in... February, March of this year, um, I got an offer from them. Um, I was actually, at that time, I was actually talking to an agent about another book. And she was like, can we talk about this book? And I was like, I've done that now. And she's like, but it's really good. Um, So she sent it off with um, the proposal for the next book, which I am now writing. And then about two weeks after that, we had the offer from penguin saying that they would like to buy it and distribute it throughout the world that's amazing and you're working on the second book now, the, second book. the second book is um called the not so new mum's notebook and it is a book for basically with the new mum's notebook goes up to 12 months so the next book is going to be early years so it's going to be from year one right up until they start school so everything all the challenges that that encompasses for mums i'm going to buy that even though Aww. even though my daughter <laughs> is uh, seven I feel like there will be a lot in there that I can Yeah, I mean, the goal, the thing of the books as well is that they're not baby journals and they're not for, they're not, they, you know, there's little bits that you can record some milestones and stuff for your kids, but they are about mums and mums' wellness and mums' mental well-being and all the things. And I, and I want the next book to really try and get us back in tune with how we can see the challenges of motherhood in a, in a more positive, more liberating way. Because I think my experience of motherhood has been quite claustrophobic at times and I've got very hung up on things that I absolutely shouldn't have got hung up on what kind of thing things catastrophizing stuff Mm. so a very common thing that I think mums do is feel that every every step they make is is going towards a drastic dark place that they'll never come back from and that their kids will never come back from and as my kids grow I can see that if I live in that perpetual state I'm going to probably be crazy by mm. the time because it's getting harder you know the things I'm having to deal with now with an eight-year-old you know you know your daughter's seven the things I'm having to deal with now are way harder than what I was doing when um, I was trying to get them to sleep and the consequences seem bigger don't they yeah and I can't drive myself nuts thinking mm. all the time am I doing this wrong should I be doing it like this and what I think we need to get better at doing is living in tune with how we're living in in a in a period of a day rather than how we're living for the next five ten years because you think about the future and that's what you do when you have a newborn you constantly think when the baby doesn't sleep that night you think about the next five years yeah and it's never helpful and so I really want the next book to just 
that's why I th- I call it early years, but actually I reckon you could buy it if you had an eight-year-old because mm. it's going to be about helping the mum with the challenges she faces. And actually, the challenges pretty much persist, don't they? You know, yeah. getting out of the house, looking after yourself. And I've learned a lot in the last few years about how much self-care we need to do. And and I just think that the role of being a mother needs to evolve. I think I think we've gone maybe too far from our parents generation where we we live we live motherhood we talk about it we read about it we we don't ever come away from it mm. and what i kind of really want to get back to is the place that we are actually women first and we're mothers second and being a being a you know a strong you know not always strong but a strong woman with the role of mother secondary is okay and what I, I think what, that what, that's great for our kids to learn. What I love, Amy, is that you're sitting there with your This Girl Can t-shirt Do you know what? On. I put this on deliberately <laughs> this morning. Do you know why? Because I haven't worn this for about eight months. And I love a slogan tea, don't we? Mm. Love a slogan tea. And when I'm feeling a bit like I can't do something, this weirdly is what I gravitate towards. And this morning I was feeling a bit like been getting that Sunday night feeling recently. Yeah. And I don't know where it's come back from because my last year has been full of really great energy and suddenly I'm feeling it dip a bit this morning I was like I'm gonna remind myself that this girl can yeah and I'm sitting here wearing my mother you are, t-shirt and I, and I almost won my mother one did you <laughs> we would have been sitting together yeah no good, I, good I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that you're wearing this girl can, so it really <laughs> ties in it. with what you're saying it's actually really good um there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So obviously, you know, you've, you've written your blog for the last few years, Surviving Motherhood, and, you know, you've got your book out now, and you've spoken in the past about how your experiences with postnatal depression have kind of, you know, led you on this journey and to, to where you are yeah. today. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, having my third child has changed my life in absolutely every way possible. I mean, you know, it's, I did, I got postnatal depression, I knew very early on that time that it was, I think I probably had it both times, but I wouldn't have known first time because I didn't know how you were supposed to feel with a baby. Third time round, I, it definitely got progressively worse. And I think also the challenge of having two other children to look after meant it was very, very difficult to ignore. Um, but hands down, the best thing that's ever happened to me, because it just made me confront loads of stuff that, you know, I, I've pretty much know I've had health anxiety since I was probably nine or ten. And it's, you know, it's it's got worse at periods in my life and better. Um, 
but having and that was one of my prevailing symptoms with the postnatal depression was that I thought I was going to die and I just couldn't get ailments out of my head and and it was very very paralyzing Mm -hmm. and you know that on top of trying to look after three kids was just impossible so I you know I went to the doctors in fact actually I actually was diagnosed at home my um, practice nurse had seen me because I had a really unfortunate set of circumstances after I had my third my poor dad was um diagnosed with cancer and had a major um um operation and around that time my it was school holidays so I had my third beginning of the school holidays so I had 10 I think he was 10 days old and then I went on school holidays you know what London's like everyone just disappears yeah not loads of my friends had had thirds, so they were with older kids and off went and doing stuff. And I was stuck, in, like stuck indoors, couldn't see my family really that much because they had loads going on. Then my middle child got chickenpox, so we couldn't leave the house. Mm. Then we eventually, at the end of that period, I think my third was about five weeks. We went um, on holiday, and the first day, my eldest daughter slammed a, a fire door on my middle daughter's toe and oh. amputated the top of her toe. Oh, you're kidding! It was. Basically, then about a week later, her bone got infected and they thought she had osteomyelitis. So she then got admitted to hospital. So basically, that's when it all came crashing down. We were, I was staying in hospital at St. Thomas's at the Evelina while she, was, she had an operation. She was on an intravenous drip to have antibiotics. She was only two and a half, had a six-week-old baby. And then I had to then go and have it dressed every week got reinfected basically this foot injury went on for three months Mm. and she couldn't wear she couldn't wear shoes and I just had another child that had extra care needed and I just couldn't cope with it and then I started getting the panic attacks um and so I think I was a combination of someone who was predisposed to it someone who'd probably had it before undiagnosed and someone who had unfortunate circumstances and the combination was just you know Mm. like that um but my so so my practice nurse had seen me um at the clinic the week before and she was she just said there was something that wasn't right in me she could just tell and she called me one day and I think my phone was off the blinds were shut it was a proper you know next thing I know the doorbell's gone I'm in my pajamas it's probably like midday on a Tuesday and she's opened the door and she's just stood there actually do you know actually it's making me feel quite teary now which is Mm. weird because it hasn't for a long time Oh, breathe. Anyway, she said, um, she said, I don't think you're quite right. I don't know why I'm oh, crying. <laughs> so bizarre. Just take a moment. I haven't cried for ages about this. Um, I said, I don't think I'm very well. And she said, I don't think you are. And she came in and she got me into the surgery that afternoon. I'm sorry that I'm crying. And... She had me in that afternoon and I saw my doctor who I have a really good relationship with and she put me, she said, if I, w- I would, at that point, I was so unwell, I would have taken absolutely anything to get better. She said, you know, you're going to need to take some antidepressants. I was like, give me whatever you can to make me feel better. Mm. Um, I took antidepressants. Um, they take, you know, they take a few weeks to work. Luckily, I had some really good friends who had had depression and anxiety. And they said, you know, you, it won't be overnight. It will take time to get better. Mm. Um, and this practice nurse had done the first visit of her 30-year-old, 30-year career. She just had... And, the, and you know, what? I feel so humbled by that even now. The fact that 
she saw that there was something wrong and she didn't just gloss it, you know, gloss over it. She came to my house, you yeah. know. And if she hadn't, never, if she hadn't come right. If she hadn't, I think I would have got there anyway, but I don't think I would have got there that day. And I think it was really crucial for me because I think I was really unwell by the point that I got there. Yeah. And then the antidepressants, I couldn't believe I was ever going to feel well. And I had friends who had taken them who said, you will be fine. You will get better. But I had lots of physical ailments. I, you know, I had a very foggy, I couldn't see properly. I had lots of fog. I was very teary. I couldn't do basic things like get in the car. You know, it was basic stuff was overwhelming for Mm. me. And then probably about four weeks in, I started CBT privately. You know, I was fortunate in that. I could afford to do it privately and it was something I just had to do mm. um and the combination of the CBT and the medication was you know six weeks into taking the medication I felt the physical you know I felt the anxiety diminishing and the CBT absolutely changed every element of my life you know I use it every single day and even when you know anxiety for me is something I will live with and the depression, not so much. I mean, I stayed on the antidepressants for almost three years. I spent I spent one whole year coming off them very, very, very slowly. And then one day I just felt really good and I ran out of my prescription. And I thought, I don't think I need to take these anymore. Um, but that's happened before and I haven't been ready. Yeah. And this time I just came off them and it was fine. But I will always have to manage it. And I'm really aware of my triggers and... I just think it's it's definitely something. You know, I've had you know I had a little bit of anxiety in the summer because you know, as, you know something else that came out of my third child was that my marriage you know broke down, and my marriage broke down when he was two, and we decided to separate. Most empowering, liberating thing I have ever done. But a year on, there's new challenges coming out of that. So the the empowered feeling, which I still feel very positive about, is slightly replaced by other aspects that you know you can't help sometimes but feel guilt and worry about your kids and you know there's the the you know the the potential of new partners on the horizon all those things bring new emotions and feelings and you know this summer I did my first holiday with them I took them abroad for 10 days on my or nine days on my own it was well I thought it was amazing it was amazing I was um I went back to a place that I've been to three times so I absolutely knew I could do it and I knew we got friends there. I knew it was the absolute right arena to do it in. But I, now I am back, I know that that made me very anxious. Mm. And yet I didn't really acknowledge the anxiety. The day before I went, I thought, what am I doing? And it, and it actually very interestingly brought up a lot of the health anxiety. Because one of my fears, one of my fears was that one of them was going to get lost through passport control. One of them is going to drown. But the other thing was, is, was just a sense of my mortality. I'm on my own with three kids. The responsibility is mine. What if something happens to me? Mm. And actually, now I'm back and my anxiety's completely diminished again. I realised that that was a massive trigger for me. But I did it. We had a great holiday. We had a really good time. Kids loved it. I felt very strong that I now know there's another milestone I've hit. Um, and it was all good. Yeah. Uh, so thinking back to those early days, it kind of feels like really important that the people around a new mum are aware of postnatal depression and what the signs are because it's so easy to miss. And really you know, in your experience, miss. if that nurse hadn't come back, how long would it have taken for you or the people around you? Because when you're in it, you know, like my own, my own personal experience, I'm sure we've spoken about this, um, you know, in the past, Amy, but... 
you know, I, I, when my daughter was 18 months old, I had this real light bulb moment where I thought, oh my God, I think I've had postnatal depression. Yeah, and I remember you saying that. didn't realise that going through it, and it was only in hindsight, and I think when you are going through it, it's really hard to identify, and also, in my mind, you know, I'm like, you know, a semi-intelligent woman, you know. <laughs> Very intelligent, Alison. I read books, I read magazines, I feel, you know, like... But you're in tune with it. Yeah, yet there I was with, you know, a three-month, six-month, 12-month old baby, miserable, struggling, definitely on the edge. Yeah. And I didn't realise, I thought that postnatal depression was, you know, I guess similar to what you were talking about, you know, being in the house, curtains drawn, you know, in the dark, not wanting to leave the house. But actually what I know now is that there are different shades of PND. I think like anything, there's different levels totally. I think there's, you know, there's, there's different functioning levels of pnd mm. and i think the first two times because my circumstances didn't catapult me to that final place i think that i probably had a functioning version yeah. of postnatal depression yeah but postnatal depression is very cruel because when you're in it you know you're in a fog and you know you feel the worst that you've ever felt but you can't always see that you're in it and you don't know what's normal and there's a lot of that like this is how I'm supposed to feel yeah. I totally thought that that every mum yeah was going through the same as me yeah but that I just wasn't coping with I it think quite as well I think for anyone listening that's thinking well do, do I have it do I not have it I think you know I think what becomes apparent is the kind of con- the persistency of it so if you have like the odd day where you feel a bit low I think that that's very normal when you have a baby. If most days or every day or a, a, a good deal of a period in every day is, you know, dominated by feeling teary, low, overwhelmed, anxious, anxious, then no, I don't think those things are normal because you shouldn't have to feel like that and you don't have to feel like that. And, and postnatal depression, I mean, someone said to me the other day um, who's got older children who has suffered from depression, well, how do you know if it's postnatal depression? And I'm like... Well, postnatal depression is actually just a term, as my doctor told me. It's depression, mm. but we call it postnatal because it comes after a period of having a baby. So there's a reason, and I, and there are reasons. You know, hormones can totally affect how you how you are. We know that. We, we have had so many conversations about hormones, haven't hormones, we? Us and flipping hormones, <laughs> and you know that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely a, a you know. But people get quite hung up on that because they say, well, I can't have postnatal depression because my baby's now three. Well, now you have depression. Mm. But you probably had postnatal and you didn't realise or it didn't get addressed. Mm. And, I, and I don't think it's something that goes away. Yeah. And like I say, it just becomes, you know, postnatal is a term that we describe because of when it happens. Mm. Um, but I think anyone, you know, and it's a, it's a difficult thing if you're a person supporting someone or around a new mum that you think has postnatal depression it's really important how you approach it because it's a really scary thing. It's 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 probably one of the things when a mum starts to feel low that she panics about. I don't want to have postnatal depression well, no. because already she's in the place where she's taking medication, which she doesn't want to do because no one ever wants to do that. And there's definitely a stigma attached to it still. Yeah, and there shouldn't be because I, um, you know, I've been on, I was on medication for three years. I will not hesitate to go back on it if I ever need to again in my life. And I have friends that are what they call lifers. They're like, I'm staying on this forever because it works for me. Mm. And there's no, there should be no stigma with it because it, it does, it has a reason. You know, your your brain mm. isn't producing serotonin, 
And you need that to have the happy thoughts. So when your brain isn't producing it, it needs an injection of it to then learn to produce it again itself. What happened to me this year was I got to a point where life was getting, you know, so much better for me and I was so much happier that I almost think I was getting too much serotonin because I was putting it in my body and my body was producing it. I knew enough about my body and how it worked to to have the confidence to go, I don't need this right now. Mm. You know, six months' time I might need it again and I'll address it then. Um, But I think if you're a person supporting a mum and you're in any doubt or you're worried about her or you're thinking that maybe she's not in the place she is, you know, I had some friends that felt they could broach it and say, you know, I'm not sure that you're doing so well. How are you feeling? And sometimes it's about asking that question and giving that person an opportunity to talk about how they're feeling. Because when you have a baby, you forget that you're allowed to still count as well. It becomes very much about the baby and their needs. Yeah. So we need to remember that mums actually need definitely, that support definitely. as well. And I would also say, I would add to that, that if you are listening and you think that you might, you're, you're, you're trying to work out whether you, what you feel is postnatal depression or not, it is always good to have that conversation with friends around you, you know, with a medical professional and not to feel stupid, not to feel like you shouldn't ask the question. I remember about three or four years ago feeling quite cross when I read um, an article or a blog post written by Esther Walker um, where she was talking about how um, it kind of felt to her, I think, she was saying that it felt to her that there were so many women saying or thinking they had PND when yeah. actually motherhood is just hard. Yeah. And I felt quite, I, I agree with her to a point, but I felt quite cross because I felt like if anyone reads this She's and it discourages it. them from going to ask for help, then I feel like that's doing motherhood and, you know, womankind a huge disservice. Yeah, and I think actually when you, when you have periods, I mean, crikey, there's a period in every day that's frustrating and hard. But actually, and I and I try. This is where my focus is now. I try because of my CBT and other things that other, you know, experiences that have come in my across my path. I do try to see motherhood as a. I'm trying to see it more as a privilege and a positive thing, not in an alienating way, because it's not always going to feel like that. But I want to try and sit on that side of the fence rather than the this is so hard. Because when we keep telling ourselves it's so hard, it just becomes harder. Yeah, and. You know, there are days and there are moments that are, that all the positive thought are never going to necessarily change how you feel. But actually, it is not normal to feel day in, day out, like this is awful and overwhelming and sad and joyless. You know, it's not. And if we accept that, that's a really depressing way to live this very long journey of motherhood. That's so true. So true. Um, okay, Amy, on to some later things. Some quick fire questions for Ooh, you. Oh, exciting. Um, what's your favourite cake or biscuit oh to get gosh. you through a tough day the of really parenting? Sad, the really sad thing is I know this instantly. <laughs> I, I love a Victoria sponge. With, with Oh yeah, a good Victoria sponge Old with, school. with jam and freshly whipped cream. Um, I also love like a piece of, and actually this is in the new mum's notebook, um, chocolate fridge cake. Oh, okay. Which is basically melted chocolate with anything you've got in the cupboard, chucked in, bunged in the fridge, Eat it in a big slab. It's nice. like a big, massive rocky road. It's have so you, good. Have you got any just knives? No, I, I quite fancy that. <laughs> Go knock some up. Um, what's the worst piece of parenting advice you've ever been given? Oh my gosh, we all know it. And, and you know what? I'm in danger of doing it when I'm when I'm in a happy day and my kids are at school and nursery. Enjoy them while they're young. Mm. Just don't ever tell anyone that. No. We know that. We love them. We enjoy them. We think they're amazing. 
telling us to do it just doesn't make me want to do it. It makes me want to hit you over the head with her. I also think that thing, I also think that does kind of diminish the struggles that you have when they're it young. Does. And I see why people do it. And and now my kids are getting older, I can see myself. I'm not going to say it because I will shoot myself, but I can see why people say it because they are at a part, they're at a point in their journey where they're missing that closeness. And what they're doing is going, it does go quick and it does. You know, my little tiny baby is eight. She's massive. She's, you know, she's up to my shoulders now. I have to ask her to sit down so I can plait her hair. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I know why they say it, but just don't say it no please never say it when you're in it no way doesn't feel joyful always um what's been your most embarrassing mum moment oh there are so many um I mean there was one time where literally when I was working full time and I was trying to get out of the house you know that lovely period of time at 8 7 45 where I couldn't find the comb to do my daughter's hair and there was a fork (laughs) so I grabbed it and this is a true story I grabbed it and I combed her hair and I was like that works surprisingly well. There was another time that was really awful where, and I'm still a bit like this, I mean, my school are so lovely that they often ring me to remind me that they've got a school trip. or And especially now that I've separated, I feel like sometimes they look out for me a bit more Aww. because they know I'm, you know, I've got the three kids. Yeah. Sometimes they call me and go, yeah, Amy, just to let you know, it's a school trip tomorrow, we need a packed lunch. I'm like, thanks for that. Um, there was one time where they, all the kids, they had tuck shop and all the kids had to have a purse sent in and... I'd sent my purse in, obviously forgot to name it for my daughter because I just forgot. That's what I do. Sent the purse in. Anyway, when the purse came back that day, it had been beautifully labelled by my daughter's teacher. And I said to my daughter, I'm so sorry, I totally forgot. And I said, oh, Mrs M must think I'm such a rubbish mother. And she said, she does, mum, but don't worry, you're not. Oh. <laughs> it was just, it's just peak moments like that for me. Yeah. There's lots of moments like that. But again, they are moments that... I now try and laugh about, yeah. and my kids laugh about, they're not real big dramas, you know, so you forgot to send in your after-school snack. It's just about making your peace with the fact that you are a flawed, beautiful human being. And we and all are, okay. we all are, you know. But that's the stuff that, first time round, used to, I used to beat myself up oh. about. I try to do a bit less of that now. Good, good, good. Um, I would like you to show me what's really in your bag. <gasps> my bag? Which bag do you have? This is actually quite embarrassing. Oh my goodness. Right, hang on, what is in my bag? Is that your book in there? No. no I saw the pink. Funny. My, my diary's in here. Chaos. Which Love is it. my life. Um, what is in my bag? It's a very I nice have, diary. It's quite a nice diary, isn't it? I like a paper diary. Um, uh, squat goals. Water bottle with squat goals written yeah. on it. You, you look a pun, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing any squats, actually. This is hilarious. This is something that's being returned, which Alison isn't going to say out loud, but she can just... Uh, yeah. Um, let's just say it is something that you might buy in Ann Summers. It's being returned, is it? Yeah, oh, it's definitely being I'm returned. not sure I believe you. Oh my gosh. My bag. This is, I literally change my bag about seven times a week. It's a very nice bag. So it's kind of like a army print. Do you know what it is? It's gem a, and it's B. It's a gem and B camouflage um, changing bag. I don't need changing bags. I bought this two months ago. I don't change any nappies anymore. Well, but I'm the, addicted to them. This bag I've got here, this is my bag. This is a change bag too. See? I honestly think that as a mum, no matter they're great, what, aren't they? what pockets. I bought this to go on holiday. And the reason being is that it's got so many great compartments. So mm. I stuffed it. I mean, look, I've got all my Crayola colour-free pens there. It makes me sound like I do loads of... Drawing with my kids. Um, Mouldy old Satsuma. Nice. Standard. 
Did you were you hoping for something glamorous? Like no. Like No, to be honest, the whole point of this is to show what people really have in their bags okay. rather than, you know, what they pretend to have right, in their bags. Good. So I've got a nice mix. Um, three oat cakes. Oat cakes. Slightly opened. Oh, oh the Satsuma's on the move. A couple of random sherbet dip things. Just really healthy. Ah, oh, and now this, this is good because this isn't really me. I've actually got a spare set of clothes in here. For your youngest. And he's actually really toilet trained well and doesn't really need them. Just in case. But I've never done it. So I was like, I've got a changing bag. Let's put something in it. Love it. Um, and I think a couple of pairs of sunglasses cases with no sunglasses. With no sunglasses. Because my kids have nicked them and I don't know where they are. <laughs> and what is this? Oh, yeah, this is how much. This is a list of how much money I owe Computer Club at school. Because uh, I'm so behind with paying my bills. Are you, you like that? I, I, do you know what? You just reminded me that I school keep... Dinners. I keep getting messages from my daughter's dance club saying that we owe them and if we don't pay, she doesn't get to go next week. <laughs> but she keeps going. I haven't paid brownies for, like, two turns. Uh, oh, and this, which, you know... My, my sleep mask. I love that. Just in case I want to, like, I don't know, sit in a coffee shop and have 40 winks. So it's a neon pink sleep mask with ZZZZZZ written on it. Can Why we, have you got that in your bag? I'm not quite sure. That's so we, random. Oh, and this is good, isn't it? The old, when you go to Lidl and you get the old stickies. Have you had these? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They're brilliant. And you get, like, if you spend quite a bit, you get, like, 40 loads. of them and you're like, these are the bane of my life. Uh, I find uh, them everywhere. They're amazing. So very unglamorous, I'm afraid, Anson. Thank you very much, Amy. I love that. I feel like you're definitely keeping it real with that bag. <laughs> Listen, thank you for being my guest today. Oh, it thank has you been for having me. brilliant to talk to you. Oh, you know I love you and your stuff, so thank you so much, Alison. Thank you. So hopefully you enjoyed listening to this just as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, thank you as always for listening and please do review and rate on iTunes because it really helps and I'll catch up with you next time. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.